0: How are y'all doing? Danny's good. How are the rest of you? How are y'all doing? Good. Good, huh? I think they are. Hey, first things first. Uh, Can y'all scoot in? Can y'all scoot up? Everyone who's back there, come on back. Come on up here. Come on, scoot up. There's tons of room up here. Come on. I think you're right, Danny. Danny. You're right. Hey, let's be let's be honest for a second. Last time I was up here was a little tense. It's a little tense for some folks, and that's a good thing. That's okay, but I want to let you know you can let your guard down. I'm going to be a bit easier. It's going to be a lot of teaching this evening, but a lot to teach, a lot to read. So you can, whew, he's not going to yell at me. You could say that. I'm not going to promise that, but just... Your guard down just a bit, just a bit. Thanks for scooting up. Thanks for coming in closer. I think I'm gonna. It's okay if I stay down here. If I stay, is that okay? Are you sure? Okay. Hey, so I think I'm gonna stay down here actually for most of the time. Um, That way I can look at you in the eyes. So uh, we're in Exodus. Yeah, you can make awkward eye contact, that's okay. We're going to be in Exodus. In fact, we're going to be basically covering the entire second half of Exodus. So i got a lot to talk about tonight. I'm going to try and be as quick as possible with some of it. We're going to be reading quite a lot. If you're opening your Bibles now, you can go to Exodus 19. That's where we're going to be starting. That's kind of where we left off. Uh, God just killed uh, a very large portion of Egyptians with a sea. He killed them with a sea. Uh, they're gone, Uh, and the Israelites are, they're free to go, (laughs) Uh, they're on the other side of this thing, anyways, before we, before we get into that, I have a few questions for you, does anyone know what theology is, it's a church word, I don't know if some of you have heard of it, (laughs) who's heard of theology, If you've heard that, oh, a few of you have heard that, Danny can't answer this, can someone tell me what theology is, so you got to speak up, Study study of religion, anybody else? your beliefs yeah you're trying to decide what you believe yeah so that those are great answers those are like textbook answers it kind of the, the the word kind of changes especially in like christian circles in a nutshell it is the study of god but it also means your theology is your understanding of god so tonight just so you know i'm going to try and mess with your theology how you view god i think a lot of you view god Probably in a not very complete way. Uh, in, in, in a way, it's almost in, impossible for us as humans to completely understand and view God rightly. Um, but I want to try and mess with that tonight. I want to try and bring that to light, maybe in a way that you haven't seen before. Uh, so I want you to be, feel free to to let some of that stuff change if you can. Uh, I have a question for you, another question for you, for all of you, whoever wants to answer it. Uh, if So we're, we're talking about our study of God, our view of God. Uh, If you could describe God in one word, what would it be? It's going to have to be a little louder. Omnipresent, okay. Okay. That's two, but that's okay. How else would you describe God? Love. There we go. That's it. Righteous. There we go. What was that? We'll say forgiving if we're going to describe him, yeah. Forgiving, how else? Savior, how else? What, what? Okay, we'll describe God as God, very good, yes, excellent. What, Jacob, you have something? Uh, Never mind. Um, Anybody else over here? How would you describe God in one word? All-knowing, okay, all right. That's two words. you guys are breaking the rules. Just boom, what, what would you say? Yeah, what, do you, what would you say? If you should describe God in one word, Danny? Perfect. Okay, boom. I have a second question for you. second question for you. If you could describe uh, for me, the God of the Old Testament in a word or a phrase, the God of the Old Testament, savage. OK? wrathful what what ruthless wow okay okay almighty okay just okay over here huh you say old okay all right that's that's accurate he's probably very old um all right so you see how I want to point out, hey, let me get your attention. I want to point something out. So a lot of you had, um, uh, you all had good answers. Uh, probably everything but savage, but that's okay. Um, uh, good answers, but there's a huge difference when I ask you about describing God. Some of you said righteous. Some of you said love. A lot of people would describe God as love. And then I say Old Testament, and it comes up savage. Uh, it comes up as, what, what were some of the other ones that were? Ra- wrathful, huh? He's lit. Okay, yeah. And so there's like this different, very different view where it's like, this is how you view God, and then we look at the Old Testament, and it's like, this is a bit different, wouldn't you say? So I'm going to try and point out that they are one and the same. The God of the Old Testament and what many of you were describing is maybe the God of the New Testament are the same. and That's what I mean when I'm going to mess with your theology and say that they are the same, that they're one person, one being. Not separate things, they're not separate at all, they're the same. And the God who is savage in the Old Testament, and it probably is is good, is savage in some of the New Testament too. Um, I left my stuff up here. All right. So that's going to be my goal. Actually, my goal is going to be, yeah, that you would see God for who he is and how he describes himself. Because He actually describes himself in the passages passages we're about to look at, in that um, as an application in the end that you would fear God. Those are, my, those are going to be my goals for the evening, by the way. So Exodus 19. Um, Exodus 19, are you all there? Uh, by the way... Um, it's probably a good thing that we're reading a lot of Scripture uh, because if I want your view of God to change, it's going to have to come from Scripture not from just what I think about Him. I'm going to try and let the Scriptures say that on their own a bit. So Exodus 19, uh, God has just saved them from Egypt. Now they're on their own. They're, they're traveling um, and God wants to meet with them. Now they're out. And God wants to meet with their people. We're in chapter 19, verse 1. I'm going to read the first uh, 10 verses or so. Let me read them for you. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out uh, from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, and may also believe you forever. Let's stop there for a moment. So God has come down onto a mountain. That doesn't happen often. He's come down onto a mountain, and he has called, he's literally speaking out of this mountain to Moses, speaking to Moses. And he says, hey, I want to make a covenant with you. And that's, that's amazing. There hasn't been a covenant in over 400 years, longer than that, actually. Before the last time I was here, in fact, we were talking about the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant God made with all these people who just got saved, their forefather, Abraham. And he wants to make a new one, another one, I should say. He's got all these people. He's built this nation that he promised Abraham, and he's like, I've got you. I've redeemed you from this people. Let's meet. And so that's what's about to happen. And so Moses is kind of this mediator, and God says, no, I want to meet with the people. I want to meet with the people. And Moses goes, okay, well, I'll go talk to them, and I'll go tell them. And so they tell them, and all the people go, yeah, let's do a covenant. We're going to do whatever God wants. You know, he just saved them. So let's keep, let's keep reading. We're going to jump a few verses. Those are going to be times where we jump and times where I sum stuff up because it's like 20 chapters. Um, all right, so verse 16. Uh, God's going to come to them on the third day. So starting in verse 16, on the morning of the third day, and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down in Mount Sinai, uh, excuse me, on Mount Sinai, to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, "Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them." And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, Go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through. Excuse me. Uh, Do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. So God comes down onto the mountain, and they've been given this rule basically, don't come up here. Because if you come up here to try and look at God, you're going to die. And then, and then God comes down onto the mountain and calls Moses out. And Moses meets with him. And he says, God says, hey, go get the priest. Go get Aaron. Come up here and we'll meet. And he's like, Moses is like, you told us if, if they come up there, they're going to die. And he's like, you're right. Yeah, don't bring the priest up here. Otherwise, they'll die. And make sure that no one else comes up here to look at me. Otherwise, they'll die. So God... Um, God goes and talks to them and says, hey, he's here. And so they come right to the edge of the mountain, and God is about to speak to them. He's going to speak to them. So they can't see him. The mountain's covered. They can't see him, and he's about to speak. And this is where we get the Ten Commandments. God's going to speak the Ten Commandments to the people um, without looking. You all got your Bibles open, but don't look. Don't look. What's the first commandment? You know? Oh. Okay. Anyone know the first commandment? No one knows the. First. You got to be loud if you know it. What's the first commandment? Did you peek? Okay. What's the second one? Do you know? Okay. So no other gods. You have no other gods before you. Do you know what this? Anyone know what the second one is? No, no, no. That's number like six. What's what's next? That's number four. What was that? Idols? Yeah, you'll have no carved images or idols. Does anyone know what's next? You guys are jumping ahead. No, that's that's not even one of them. Never mind. We're just gonna, this isn't going well. I'm just gonna read them to you. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read them to you. This isn't going well. So uh, the so the first one is you have no other gods before me. The next one is no carved images. Uh, the third one is, do not take the Lord's name in vain. The fourth one is, remember the Sabbath. The sixth one um, whereas is, honor your father and mother. Uh, next is, oh, I might have missed one. What did I skip? Which is it? Don't use the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. No adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Uh, And do not covet. Do not covet. I think that's most of them. So there, he just gives them these Ten Commandments. He gives them these Ten Commandments. Um, And here's the people's response. We're going to pick up with the people's response in verse 18. Well, it's not quite the people's response. Verse 18, chapter 20. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off. And Moses said, uh, excuse me, and they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. So basically, it didn't go well for most of the people. They freaked out. God gives them the first ten commands And they're like, hey, Moses, we can't handle this. Uh, You go do it. They basically say, hey, you go speak to him. That's what we'll do. They send Moses. They send Moses to go do what they were supposed to be a part of. And that's what happens. So Moses goes up the mountain because they are terrified. They're absolutely terrified. Um, and, And Moses says, well, he's only doing this because he wants the fear of himself to be in you so that you'll follow what he has to say. And they say, hey, no, you go up there. So then, and we're about to skip a bunch, so then Moses goes up the mountain. And it's just he and God. And they talk for a while. Uh, and we're about to skip a number of chapters. Uh, we, he talks about altars. Keep turning the page. He talks about altars. Uh, he talks about rules for slaves, rules for social justice. Uh, let's keep going. Um, laws about the Sabbath, laws about festivals that they're going to do. And then uh, he he promises that the land they're about to go into that they're going to take as long as they continue to follow his rules, uh, his commands. And so he makes that promise to him. And let's pick up in uh, chapter 24, verse 3, where the covenant is confirmed. Uh, So Moses has met with God for quite some time and comes back down the the mountain. He's going to relay everything to them. So verse, verse 3, chapter 24. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules, and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Let's stop for a second. So their response is, yes, everything, we will do it. I just want that you stop for a second and see that's clear. They all go, yes, we will do it. They're confirming this covenant, yes, we will take part in this. Uh, verse 4. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrifice and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the, the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said... All the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people, that's a little weird, and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Stop right there. So uh, if you remember last time we talked about blood being a big part of covenants, and so they are, and so they're all saying yes, and they've sacrificed, that sacrifices are a big part of it. Um, So they sacrifice these oxen, and Moses is like, I'd I'd have killed to be there. And he's just like throwing blood on people. And it's like, it's official, folks. Like, we've just made a covenant with God. And he's throwing, he's sprinkling blood on the the people. And it is, it is confirmed. It's confirmed. Let's keep going. Let's let's go to verse 12, uh, same chapter. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait here, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God and said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you, and behold, Aaron and her will be with you. Whoever has a dispute, let them go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud, Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So he goes up there and waits a week just to hear from God. And then God calls him up on the mountain. And he spends 40 days on the mountain. 40 days without the people. Let's keep turning. So in these 40 days, he gives him basically a bunch of directions on how to build the Ark of the Covenant, if you've ever seen Indiana Jones, uh, how to build uh, clothes for the priests, uh, how to uh, properly consecrate the priests, uh, and he gives him some more rules about the Sabbath. So he's given him a lot of information about, hey, now that I've made this covenant with you, hey, this is how you're going to begin to worship me. Uh, and he's given him rules like this is how we're going how to how we're gonna do this. There has to be a lot done in place so that I can come and be with you and you can worship me and I can be there in person. Uh, um, let's, uh, let's go to, to, to uh, actually, no, let's, let's back. I want to read one verse real quick. At the end of chapter 31, verse 18, and he, God, gave to Moses when he had finished speaking, speaking with him on Mount Sinai the two tablets of the testimony, Tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So God has literally written on these tablets with his finger. And he's given it to Moses. And he's about to come down to the people. But it doesn't go very well in just a minute. As some of you know, if you know this story, we're going to read this. So starting in, in uh, verse 1 of chapter 32, we're going to see where the people immediately break the covenant. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So Moses is up there speaking to God for 40 days, receiving instruction on how to worship God, and it's just been too long. A little over a month has just been too long for the people. They can't handle it. They want to worship uh, they wanna. They, I don't know what. The, I don't. Know what, I do not know what they are thinking, but they break the second commandment immediately, pretty quickly, and they make a graven image. They make a golden calf, a golden, golden cow, and they begin to worship it. And they worship it and give it. They say, "This is the God who who brought you out of, out of Egypt." And it's a. I don't know. It's just a difficult mindset to enter. Cause for us, we're like. That's so dumb. Like, if I make something physically with my hands and then go, that's my God. Like, you, just, you know you just made it. And it's just a very different mindset that you and I can probably not get into, a different culture really altogether. Um, because you and I are like, oh, I just made this. These are Legos, you know. And they're not, it's not a God. It can't be. And so you and I know this story, and we very clearly know who brought them out. It is God. And he even calls him God. He goes, tomorrow there will be a feast to the Lord. And he says, "Long, well, you know, that is God. That is him. And that's just crazy. Um, it's just crazy. Um, so uh, I'm going to paraphrase the next bit of what happens. The next bit of what happens. So God speaks to Moses and says, hey, they're, they've, already, they've already turned against me. They're already worshiping another god. Um, and then God, God is not happy. He is quite upset. You know what his response is? Does anybody know? What? What was it? His response is, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill them all, Moses, and I'm going to make a nation out of you. Which is a bit savage, actually. It's a bit savage. I'm going to kill them all and make a nation out of you. And so God's still going to make good on his promise, and build a nation from Abraham, because Moses is one of Abraham's descendants, and he's just like, I'm going to start over. We'll make another nation with you. And Moses begs him and says, please, please don't do that. Don't do that. What will people say? People will say that you brought us out of Egypt just to kill us. And he pleads with him, and God says, okay, we won't do it. And Moses goes down the mountain, and he sees for himself. When this conversation happens, he doesn't see this. He's just heard it from God. He goes down the mountain and sees for himself, and he can't handle it. He throws the tablets down. He mixes them with, like, he grinds them up in water, makes people drink it. Uh, he calls a group of people to him, uh, the Levites, they're actually his tribe, uh, uh, at least a group of them, and says, if you're for the Lord, come over here. And then he commands them to go kill their brother their, and their neighbor and their friend. Uh, and they go and they kill, like, 3,000 people, uh, basically people who are still rebelling against God. And so they killed quite a few people there that day. Uh, Moses is very frustrated. He doesn't quite know what to do. And then God tells Moses, y'all go on ahead. I'm not going with you. Y'all go on into that land. I'm not going with you. And Moses says, no way. I cannot go with these people without you. I will not go. I will not go without you. I can't do it paraphrasing a bit here. I won't do it without you. And, Mo, and God says, okay, alright. And then Moses makes an incredible request that's very different. He says, let me see your glory. Let me see your glory. And God is, in a way, kind of like, oh, okay. We'll do it. Uh, Skip over a couple chapters. Chapter 34. I know this is a lot of reading, but it's a long story. (laughs) It's a long story, and I don't want to... I want you to see it. Actually, right before it, the end of 33. Verse 18, Moses says, Please show me your glory. And God said, I will make... My goodness, pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. By the way, let's pause for a second. You see how Lord is all caps? You see that? So it's very, it's different than just Lord with a capital L or a lowercase L. Lord, all caps means Yahweh. That's what it means. It's like the actual name of God, the God who is, the I Am. That is His name, um, and that's actually what that means. It's been rendered a bit different, but every time you see that in the Old Testament. Lord all caps Yahweh God the one who is is what that means um where was I there we go the Lord and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I show mercy verse 20 but he said you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live and the Lord said behold there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So so God is going to meet with Moses and says, Okay, you want, you want me to go with you? You break my covenant, but you want me to go with you? And, and Moses says, Yes. And, and then he says something when he says, show me your self. Show me your glory. And he says, okay, you want to know who I am? I'll come actually physically meet you, but you can't see my face. And I'll guard you. So he's going to be in like a little hole in a rock, and God physically puts his hand over him while he passes by. He says, you can look at me from this side, but you can't see my face. So God actually meets with Moses physically. It's not just a presence. It's not just... Smoke and a voice, he's actually there on the mountain. He says, I'm going to proclaim my name to you. My name. And up until this point, we don't know a lot about his name except he's this I am. In the beginning of Exodus, you know, that's what we hear. Moses goes, Who are you? Who do I say that you are? And he just says, I am. And he's about to proclaim his actual name, which is very different. It's not a name like you and I have. There's a lot of power in names. Uh, Our culture doesn't give much power to names. Um, A lot of us have names, and our parents just like the way it sounded, Uh, and that's okay. But there's a lot of power in names, and his name is very different. It is, it is, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look and see, we'll look and see. Chapter 34, the Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready by the morning, and come up. In the morning, to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me on the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and no one, uh, and let no one be seen throughout the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tablets of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. This is it. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children ch- children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Let's stop there. I've gone way over already, or I'm about to. So God just declared who he is. That's his name. We just read it. I just read it out loud to you. That's what he considers his name. This is a very weird thought that all that, is his name, because in the name there's a lot of power, and that is him. Those things are him. Um, you know, it's not exactly fair for me to ask you earlier, you know, if you could describe God in one word, because God doesn't describe himself in one word. That's not his name. It's that whole sentence. And there's more than just one trait. He's not just righteousness. He's not just love. He's not just mercy. He's not just savage. He's all these things. He's all these things. Just, uh, just like me. You know, I'm not always angry. You know, I'm also, I can be happy. I'm not just a pastor. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a friend. There's different things just like that. God is, is that way. And so one of the points I want to make to you is, is that this is one of the places in Scripture where we see God reveal himself very differently and very directly. This is how God views himself. So I'm asking you about how you view God. You know, your theology, and this is how, this is God's theology of himself. This is how he views himself. If we don't view him this way, this name that he just called himself, our view of God is off. If we view God as just loving, uh, we've missed it. That's a part of it. That's a key part of it. But there's far more to it. He's going to punish. He's not going to let iniquity go. He's going to punish those who need to be punished. But he's also merciful. He is both of of these things in an equal capacity. I would say maybe even more so love, it's kind of difficult to say, because he says forgiving iniquity to the thousandth generation. And over here he says punishing iniquity to the third and fourth. So it's kind of a a bit offset. But it's both. It's fully both. And you can't view God any other way. He will punish sin. He's not going to let everything go. And there are consequences for the things that you do. There are consequences for the things that you do. Let me tell you, God would also not be a good God. He would not be a good God if he did not punish sin. He would not. In the same way that I would be a terrible father if I did not discipline my son. Danny would be a bad dad if he didn't discipline his kids. Because they turn out rotten. Rotten without discipline. Straight up turds. So and some of you get that way. And I would reckon that some of for some of you it's because your parents can let you get away with stuff. It's probably what it is. I'm gonna try not to. I, I gotta, gotta back up. Um, so this is who God is. And I, I wish you would mark this passage if you if you do that, if you highlight stuff, and in thirty four That is who God is. And it is more than just one word. It's more than just one sentence. It's what he calls his name. There's a lot to him. There's a lot to him. So one of the things I want to apply, I guess the first thing I want to apply is that you would would view God differently. The second thing I want you to apply is called the fear of the Lord. So if you remember, if we back up to earlier when God gives the the Ten Commandments, the people are afraid, and rightfully so. God's terrifying. He's speaking, and it sounds like thunder. There's fire on the mountain. They should be afraid of him. And Moses says, you should be afraid. That's the whole purpose of being afraid. And then their response is, "Oh, Moses, you go up, remember? You go up there. You go do it. And so often I would say, That happens here, too, where it's like Danny's going to go preach. Danny's going to make disciples. Uh, Jamal, he'll read his Bible and pray. He'll pursue God. And so we kind of put things in the hands of other people, and we say, you do it. You do it. Or you expect that. And I would say partially we build that culture where it's like you expect the pastor to do certain things. You know, he's the one making disciples. Missionaries make disciples. I get to live my life and do what I want. And they wanted the same thing. You go deal with, you go fear God. We don't want to be around him, Moses. And that's where, that's where their folly started. That's where their mistakes mistake started, is they did not let the fear of the Lord set in. They did not let the fear of the Lord set in. They did not want to see God for who he actually is. They wanted something else. They wanted a God that they could make. And they did that. They made golden calf. And so I want to encourage you because, I would say encourage, I want to encourage you to ask yourself and try and find out why don't I fear the Lord. And I'm a bit presumptuous in this, but I would say most of you do not fear God. Most of you do not fear God. Fear is one of the words, it's a hot button issue, and it's, it's used a lot in Scripture. A lot. It's a famous proverb, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Famous uh, psalm, uh, the friendship of the Lord belongs to those who fear him. What an interesting thing. God says, I'm friends with people who fear me. And to those, I reveal my covenant. And that's like a, it's like a part of it. If you want to be a part of the covenant, you have to fear God. And now fear gets, that word I've seen good people that I like describe it wrong. They see where there's fear of the Lord and it's supposed to be a thing. They go, well, I really think that means respect or reverence, and I don't think it does. I think people who say that are very wrong. They're very wrong about that word and what it means. I think it says fear because it means to say fear. I think if it was the respect of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it would say that. But it's fear, and that's not a normal thing. It's not a normal thing for us to think about fearing God. And I would say one of the reasons for that is because we don't address it enough. And another reason is because you haven't had a good example of it. You probably haven't feared your parents the way you should. Some of you because they don't care. Others, it's a bad example because you fear them in a way that you shouldn't. You fear them in a way that you shouldn't. You don't see a healthy example of it, and that is because we are broken. I don't blame anyone for that. You don't see a healthy example of it. It's kind of interesting. I've just now had to start disciplining my son some, and he's young. He goes to grab, like, the lamp cord And he wants to eat electricity. And I'm like, no. And he's just like, yeah, I'm going to eat this cord. And he goes and grabs it. And I pop him on the hand. And he's like, "Ah!" he just like freaks out. And it's kind of interesting because the person he runs to when he's scared is me. And I I just popped him on the hand and told him no. And it doesn't matter. He still comes to me. He still comes to me. I'm going to tell you another story. Um, so some of you have heard my story about how, like, some of the stuff I used to do, uh, drug dealers, stuff like that, addict. And so many people assumed that, like, I come from a broken home and that I had issues at home growing up, and I did it. My parents were, like, phenomenal. <laughs> um, I'm kind of an anomaly, I guess, uh, that I would be so messed up but have great folks, um, and I did. They were great folks, and my dad disciplined me well. He only whipped me a few times because that's all I needed to learn. It's a few times. <laughs> Um, until I got until I got older, anyways. Um, but whenever my dad spanked me, it was just, it was just a weird thing. I would do, I would do something you know he told me not to do, and then he would say like, "Hey, you're gonna spank and go to your room." Um, and that was the worst. Just going to my room and waiting for it. it was probably worse than the spanking. Just being like, "Oh no, here comes," and it, it just felt like eternity. And it was probably like five minutes. Um, it felt like forever. And dad, dad had a bad experience. Uh, being disciplined growing up, he got he got whipped a lot. He got, he had a bad time with it. And so dad would always take his time. One of the things he told me was never hit your kids in anger. And so dad would be angry with me. Tell me to go to my room and then I'm going to get spanked. And he would wait. That's why he would have, he would wait. Um, he would wait. So he would cool down and go, okay. Alright, this is the right thing to do. I have to discipline Joseph. He called me Joseph. My parents call me Joseph. You don't call me that. You call me Joe. Um, Unless you're my grandparent or my parents, you call me me, Joe. Um, And Dad would come in there, we'd talk about it, and he'd spank me. He'd he'd uh, he'd spank me with a belt, Um, and I deserved what I got. And and then afterwards, this is the weirdest thing, my dad would cry. Because he didn't want to do it, but he knew that he had to. And it was, <laughs> it was actually really weird. So I've, I'm done crying, my butt hurts, and my dad's crying. And I'm like, what is wrong with you, dad? Like, what? like it was a very weird thing. And it was, it was I, I really, you know, I very much view it that way. It's like the best example I have to look at God and his wrathfulness is it's not like something he enjoys. It's not like something he thinks is fun. It is a part of what he has to do. It's a part of his character, so he has to do it. Otherwise, he's a bad God. Otherwise, my dad's a bad dad. So I want you to to view it that way. When you look at wrath, when you look at an angry God, it's a part of his nature. And it's a good part. It's a healthy part. Even though we don't want it, who wants to be spanked? Who wants to be disciplined? Who wants to be grounded? Who wants to pay for the consequences of their actions? No one. When they're bad consequences, no one. But it has to be done. It has to be done. Let me let me sum up the end of this. I've gone way over. Sorry, Danny. Moses meets with God for another 40 days. He fasts 40 days as well. He has no food and no water on the mountain. It's a supernatural fast that is impossible. He meets with God and doesn't eat for 40 days. and doesn't drink anything for 40 days. He gives him rules. He speaks to him, gives him regulations, shows him also how they're going to build a tabernacle. Because now he's met with God. With God. They've made re- reparations. And they're going to build a tabernacle for them to worship in, where they can worship God. And the very end, the very end of this book, the very end of chapter 40, it happens. They build a tabernacle, and God comes down, and he goes with them everywhere. And he lives with them. He's forgiven them. Um, next week is Joshua. So we jump quite a few years. Um... I'm, I'm not even going to try and go into explaining. I don't have time. I'm sorry, um, but God is with His people at this point. The end of chapter 40. He is with His people, and they—they've grown to fear Him. They've learned. They've learned. So my prayer for you is that you would see God maybe in a different way that you haven't before. See Him for who He is, and that you would learn to fear God. That you would learn to fear God. So in your group tonight, I want you to ask yourselves: Am I viewing God rightly? And do I fear God? And then I want you to pray for each other, specifically these prayers, that you would learn to see God for who he is and worship him for who he is, and that you would learn to fear God.